0: Good morning, Newcom, and welcome to today's Sunday gathering. You can find a recording of today's discussion on SoundCloud and on iTunes, as well as a kid's lesson and written liturgy on our website at new-community.com. We hope you are well, and we look forward to worshiping with you this morning. God of goodness and mercy, we come to worship today seeking many things. Some of us are seeking peace, some are seeking healing, some are seeking answers, and some of us are just searching for the right questions. We trust you to provide what we need, food for our deepest hunger and compassion for our deepest need. Amen.
1: Please join me in today's scripture reading. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth." Acts 1.8 Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Matthew twenty-eight, sixteen through 20.
0: The confession this morning begins with a prayer from Julian of Norwich. And so our good Lord answered to all the questions and doubts which I could raise, saying most comfortingly, I may make all things well, and I shall make all things well, and I will make all things well. And you will see for yourself that every kind of thing shall be well. God, forgive us for our nearsighted view of your kingdom and your ways. We harbor deep mistrust in your goodness, even though you show us your faithfulness time and time again. We fall short of an awareness of your presence, even though you're with us at every moment. We find ourselves too busy to seek spiritual nourishment, ignoring the light of the Spirit that dwells within each of us and we often fail to share this light and nourishment with others, centered on our own lack and our own need. We lay these shortcomings at your feet and we trust in the goodness and mercy offered to us through your son, Jesus. May we go from here remembering amidst doubt that it is well within our soul and that all things will be well because of you, amen.
2: New community, welcome to our weekly podcast. Wherever you are at listening right now, we are glad that you are with us. Uh, Russ and I on the podcast um, today. Russ, how are you doing? Good, doing well. A little tag team action here. Yeah, pretty excited for this. So um, new community, we finished up our Practicing the Presence series last week. We are hopeful and prayerful that uh, it was an encouraging series for you, uh, that it was a series that Uh, Maybe brought to light some different practices, uh, different ways that you can implement uh, new things into your life uh, to more clearly um, and maybe more concretely practice the presence of God in your life. We are starting a new series uh, today. It's going to be four or five weeks, I believe, and the series is called The In Between. Our staff and elders sent out a letter a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the idea of the letter was to. Give a a bit of an update as to our current reality, uh, where we're at. And there was a lot of language in that letter kind of about this in between space that we're in. When we talk about this idea of in between, um, we're kind of talking about it at several levels. One, at a very practical level of the in between of our pre COVID existence and what will eventually be a post COVID existence. But right now we're in a um, in this in-between place where uh, things weren't like they used to be and things are not what they're going to be in the, uh, in the future. And we're living in this in-between space. Um, But there are other levels to this too, the idea of what the church was um, and what the church will be. uh, Or when you think about it uh, from the language of the scripture, we're talking about the kingdom. The kingdom is here, but the kingdom is also not quite yet. And one of the, um, Kind of arts of living a Christian life is living in this space that is uh, considered the in-between. And so uh, that is what we're going to be getting at in this next couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to start today um, by framing this idea of uh, really what is this in-between and maybe what are some of the issues or problems uh, that we've been seeing as a staff that we've been experiencing as uh, a couple of guys on a podcast here. And um, hopefully this leads us into uh, the remainder of the few weeks where we can flesh some of this stuff out a little bit more. So uh, Russ, I'm going to hand it over to you, take it away here, and uh, let's, if you've got your uh, Bible in front of you, you can open right away to Matthew 28.
3: Perfect. Um I think, Kev, what you were saying um, just reminded me of the fact that it is essential in moments of being in the in-between that you remind yourself of what your responsibilities are, that you kind of get back to the basics. So we've been talking over the last couple months about what does it really mean to practice the presence of God and how do we uh, more acutely be aware of the presence of God, experience God more fully, but we began to really feel uh, an even stronger desire to remind us of some of the most fundamental aspects of our faith, so that while we're in this in-between kind of nebulous space and time, uh, that we could be reminded of the essentials. And one of those essentials that I think many of us have grown up in the church are well aware of is this teaching in Matthew chapter 28. Many people call it the Great Commission. And in Matthew 28, uh, verse 19, well, I'll start in 18, Jesus came to them, to the disciples, and he said to them this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Now there's a ton in there that we could unpack, um, and we're not going to spend a lot of time unpacking that because I want to get to uh, a section in Acts 1. But a couple very important things. One, Christ is communicating that he will always be present. So whatever you're facing or experiencing in this in between, um, the presence of God, the presence of Yahweh is an absolute certainty. But with that, there are some pretty strong commands. One of those is to make disciples. To, To go is another command. So to be on the move, to be on a journey to um, be a pilgrim, so to speak, on this journey of faith, then along the way to be making disciples, and then to be teaching people to observe all that I have commanded. So there's this understanding that you have to be aware of what Christ has commanded in the first place, and then begin to teach people to live into it. But but I want to jump to Acts really quick, because I think this is important for us as the church, so Jesus commissions the disciples in Matthew twenty-eight, sends them on their way, tells them this is important. Um, obviously, it's right at the end of his life. Um, he's kind of he's come back, and he's at this place where he's giving him his final words. And you see this in Acts one-eight, which in many ways could be uh, another commission, so to speak. And he says, "But you will receive." power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And then it says, when he said these things, he was taken up into a cloud out of their sight. And so this idea that at the very beginning of the church, the the book of Acts really begins this uh, picture of the church, at the very beginning of the church, before we get into Acts 2, where it begins to assemble. It begins to break bread, uh, what we would describe as the Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist. Before it says that they gathered, uh, that they prayed, that they listened to the Apostles' teaching, those are the things that we would typically define as church services or gatherings. Before
2: even just to interrupt, even things that we talked about during the practice in the presence too, like these are, uh, these are ways that this community begins to practice the, the presence of God in the corporate sense. So before any of that stuff happens, right,
3: we are given a challenge. We're given a commission. We're given a calling. And I think in the conversations, Kev, that you and I have had over the last little while, um, there's just a desire to remind to bring us back to that place to say, let's not forget what our responsibilities are. And so this pandemic in some ways, I think has begun to expose some of what you might call the weakness of the church collective, that there might be some cracks in the foundation, that are starting to surface because of the situation we find ourselves in um and i know you've mentioned a couple uh to me over the last several weeks that have stood out to you
2: yeah well and and really we um as we kind of prepared for this um a, a quote that kind of sets this up because i i think it's important to say that the pandemic is not creating the cracks the church, right. <laughs> these things have been, um, it's just exposing them. And it's just bringing, uh, it's putting us in a situation where now some of these things are maybe more easily seen from a corporate sense, but then also from an individual sense of a quote that maybe speaks to this idea of um, how the church has um, moved from this place we see in Matthew 28 and Acts 1 to where it currently is right now. Richard Halverson says, in the beginning... The church was a fellowship of men and women centering on the living Christ. Then the church moved to Greece, where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome, where it became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe, where it became a culture. And finally, it moved to America, where it became an enterprise. And so um, this is, you know, uh, I'll say maybe a a dramatic quote. Um, Certainly um, uh, a, a quote that's pretty sobering when you read it. But this is getting at the idea that the church, how it was established uh, so long ago, uh, it, coming straight off the words of Christ <clears throat> to go to make disciples uh, and to be a pilgrim in that way, in a lot of ways the, the church that we know and that we understand looks very different than that. And that's not always bad, but, uh, but maybe there is a moment where you take a step back and say, oh, okay, where where have we gone awry? Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think this is where uh, this pandemic has maybe uh, exposed some of these things in a pretty significant way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so a couple, if, if we just talk about it, um, one that you uh, had mentioned uh, to me, and I think is um, really easily seen, and we've talked a little bit about this, but Kind of this, uh, the the farce of technology, yeah. I think, was the uh, <laughs> the phrase you used. Yeah. That um, our ability to be connected with one another would be kind of the saving grace. Would be the ways that we are in community, and would be uh, the ways that we keep connected with one another. It would be the ways that um, help us to establish deep sense of relationships because now we can be in touch with people. Whenever we want to be, uh, we always have access to other individuals. Right. And right. now, when you actually live in a world or in a space where you can't see people physically, you can't really be with them in the ways that you used to be. And you are completely reliant upon Zoom and Facebook and Google Hangouts and you know what other platform or medium that you use. People have resoundingly it seems like come to a place to say, I just, I can't do another Zoom. Like it's just not enough anymore. (laughs) I can't, my Facebook updating status just isn't quite getting me the things (laughs) that I'm uh, (laughs) hopeful that it would, or uh, the FaceTime, although uh, great in a pinch, is not actually giving me the deep personal connection with other people uh, that I have desired that I want. And so this is a place where we're in pandemic and now these things are becoming exposed oh absolutely
3: yeah it, it, technology can be um great when you're the um the lead, when you're leading the technology and it's supplemental yeah then i think it can be so helpful awesome but when it somehow starts to own you and then you're faced with the situation we're in, it exposes so clearly that the human relationship cannot be substituted with some technology. It just cannot. And, um, and I think that has also uh, exposed another area that maybe Christianity has become over-reliant on Sundays. That we have moved into such a rhythm of Sunday morning being important, and I think it is. That gathering as the church is important, and certainly I think it is. But we've become so dependent on it as the primary way in which we either uh, feed our spiritual life, uh, express our faith, uh, that the rest of the week becomes less important to our faith, and uh, it's almost like we have these compartmentalized lives where we do the Christian thing on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week we just do life. Yeah. And, it, man, has that been really clear during
2: this time. Yeah. So let's, let's pause just for a brief moment yeah. because I, I want to make sure that people hear this statement. The corporate gathering is critically important. Right? I mean, I know you said that twice. Yep. Uh, I have yet to say that. Um, but I, I, I don't ever want to be um, a church community that um, downplays the importance of the corporate gathering of our church community, because it is critically important. And you and I have both expressed to one another and to others, we we miss Sunday morning. Oh, we miss absolutely. seeing people. We miss corporate worship. We miss uh, the Eucharist together. We miss... Yep. Uh, I'll be honest, I even miss the announcements. Not a ton, but a little bit. Yeah, don't miss giving the them. <laughs> yeah. um, but this, so, yes, uh, we deeply, deeply believe in the need for corporate gathering. But the ways in which maybe Sunday has been propped up yep. and has become a uh, a place, a, a religious ceremony to dispense religious goods yeah. maybe is not uh, has not been all that helpful right. for us. Yeah, I I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many, there's so many
3: um, uh, cracks yeah. in the edifice of Sunday morning. And we, we don't want it to be a, it. let's rip on all that is wrong with Sunday gatherings yeah. because, as you said, there are things about Sunday gathering that cannot be replicated or replaced in any other absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And the experience of the presence of God when we come together is something you can't have in your room, by yourself, doing your quiet time. Or you can't even have in the same way that you can in nature, where you're hiking and experiencing the glory of all that yeah. God
2: has created. Um, well, and, and yeah, I would say, Russ, yeah. too, you can't even have in your small group setting, right? Now, small yeah. group's critically important, but there is something about a group of, uh, let's say, eight people from a small group going and meeting with another group of people yeah. of eight from a small There is something uh, deeply spiritual that happens in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
3: yet the beautiful and the good uh, over time as it was being described in that first quote, can move into an institution that suddenly becomes a culture of you got to do it this way or that way, and then suddenly it becomes an enterprise. It becomes something that's uh, consumeristic and driven by um, need or desire or want or comfort or satisfaction rather than driven by the gospel or driven by the callings that we have, that we just wow. described in Matthew twenty-eight and Acts one.
2: Yeah. So, what would be uh, a few um, maybe subpoints under this idea of um, ways that uh, we have seen or begun to uh, sense being revealed in now that we don't have this expression of the corporate gathering on Sunday? Uh, what do you think it's beginning to expose in us as individuals?
3: Yeah. Um, um, so. One, a quick one, I think we have tended to highlight the individual over the corporate. So if my individual needs are being met by a Sunday time, I don't really care what the collective group is experiencing. So you'll hear people communicate that by saying, well, I really liked worship this morning, or or, oh, the, oh what the pastor said really spoke to me uh, and it's all and it's like singular like versus like that like was God. a necessary message for us as a community to experience together is a corporate kind of statement yeah an individual kind individual. of statement is me focused me centered um, and driven by, um, by preference in some ways yeah, which um, probably gets at something I know you mentioned the other day, which is how consumer-oriented we are as the church.
2: Yeah, we're, uh, and this is a, I think this is a thing that our culture, um, our society has kind of informed us as individuals uh, towards this idea of consumers, uh, towards this idea of uh, materialism. Eddie Gibbs says consumerism is the biggest obstacle. Missional activity. Consumer focused approach to ministry successfully attracted crowds, but it has failed for the most part to transform lives or construct significant personal relationships that provide encouragement, spiritual growth, accountability, and avenues for Christian ministry. Um, we as individuals show up and we are ready to consume. Our, uh, our religious goods and services for yep. the week. And we've, we have felt and we have compartmentalized our lives to say, if I show up on a Sunday and uh, I'm able to receive the things that I feel like I need to receive, then I am a faithful Christian and I have uh, kind of done the things yep. Yep. that I need to do. A, uh, maybe a a bit more of a uh, irreverent way to talk about it, one of my favorite authors is... Uh, A gentleman, kind of Pacific Northwest author, his name is David James Duncan. And uh, he writes um, many different kind of short stories and and essays and and so forth. And he has this line in one of his um, books called God Laughs and Plays that he says something along the lines that Christians show up to snort a spiritual line of cocaine. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And it's that like uh, you show up and you get a hit and then you're good and you hope that that hit kind of lasts you uh, for the rest of the week or maybe two or three weeks until you can make it back on that Sunday um, to consume another hit, get that dopamine hit of, okay, I've done my spiritual stuff, now I can go about my life. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, and you, a lot of the illustrations we may use in the next few moments are not directed, at least in my heart and mind, at New Community, but at the like corporate American enterprise of church. Absolutely. That yeah. there is a drive toward consumer comfort as it relates. So that cocaine hit um, is me going, getting the jolt of energy, the shot I need, the espresso that gets me to the next Sunday gathering. And if at some point I tire of that hit, I just go to another place to get a different hit because it's about what I'm consuming. So certainly if I'm buying gear from like REI and I don't like it anymore and I'm frustrated by the service I get or whatever, I'm going to switch and buy it from someone else. And it's the same mentality, right? Because the center of the whole thing isn't Jesus. The center of the whole thing is me and what I'm consuming and what I want and what it feels like for me. And I I think
2: that's like a a real scary moment for the church. Yeah, I mean it's uh, in 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 sales, in business, what is the thing we always say? The customer is always right. Yeah.
3: Customer's (laughs) king. king. Yeah,
2: that is how you orient Everything all of the things you're providing is that the customer is always right and you follow the needs of Whatever that individual or that group of people is looking for and you cater everything specifically to their comfort uh, to what they'll buy to uh, what gets them back in the doors and that is Like you said, that's a scary place to be in when uh, our our church community life begins to uh, be shaped and informed by those ideals. Right. Now,
3: if you've been a part of New Community for a long period of time, some of what we are saying right now, you might go, come on, that is not true, that churches do not operate that way. Um, I kid you not, I know of a church community that knows the exact distance— Of every parking spot in their massive parking lot to the front door and they keep the parking spots like they will not park people in spots that are beyond a certain exact number of steps because that in their mind research has been done that would deter that person from going on Sunday morning they also start a timer at the exact beginning of the service, and it has to have ended the service at the one hour mark or less within a two minute like time zone, or they consider themselves unsuccessful with the particular gathering. And mind you, this is a church that in the lobby has a Starbucks a literal Literal. (laughs) Starbucks cafe, you walk in, you do your certain number of steps to get in the building. You can order whatever you want. You can even order it to go on the way in mobile, pick it up, walk into the service. You're guaranteed to be in and out in less than an hour. Take your next number of steps on the way out and you're on with your week. And then you come back for your hit the next week. So this is not like, we're not making this up. This is the way the church has become, in some ways, an enterprise, and this pandemic is revealing those cracks. Yeah.
2: I, so, and I, and I would say one of the reasons I have loved New Community, uh, and that my wife and family and I have uh, not only continued to stay there because we're uh, part of the staff, but we would worship there even if we weren't, is that it, it does not feel consumer oriented. There are many things that we do on a Sunday morning, uh, or even on these podcasts that I think most people would say is, um,
3: (laughs) the opposite,
2: (laughs) maybe, maybe the opposite. Uh, I'm not sure we've ever started a timer. We have no idea how long our services actually will ever end, uh, or how short they will be. Certainly if you're preaching, they'll go too long, uh, but that's (laughs) that's typical for you. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I think this is one of those things, like you said, we're seeing kind of in the institutional church, uh, maybe not as much at new community. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there is, that that maybe for some of our new community people, there are some things being revealed? If this this idea of our church services aren't oriented towards the customer or towards the consumer as much, are there other ways that maybe we are kind of in this place where some of our cracks are being revealed? Yeah, I... I
3: think the one that could um, expose us the most is how easy it is for us to uh, abdicate responsibility to the church. Um, And what I mean by that is uh, instead of it being my responsibility, as Matthew says, to be on mission, to be going, or my responsibility to be making disciples, and whether that making disciples is growing people in faith or that making disciples is um, teaching the gospel or sharing my faith with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, whatever Whatever part of making the disciples, uh, we have a tendency also within the church to uh, give away those, um, abdicate that responsibility to the church as a whole. So if I invite someone to come, then I'm hopeful that Kevin will speak a message that will impact the life of that person. Or if I invite them to group, then maybe someone at group will share the gospel with them and then I don't have to. And so it's easy for us to, um, kind of set aside our responsibility. I know Kim Hammond, uh, said this a while back, the church does not require enough from its members. People look for church as a place to go to meet their needs rather than a base to be sent from which to serve their community. We consider that we got out of a worship service and go home feeling well-fed or not. So church turns into a mall for consuming goods and services rather than an equipping station to send us into the world. I really love the A base from which to be sent and an equipping station in order to go into the world. And I think that's where we could become guilty of um, having our cracks revealed.
2: Because um, in a lot of ways, the base is not there, right? We don't have that place to come up. We don't have the equipping station to show up to and feel like we're equipped. And so maybe what we have noticed, uh, what we have uh, sensed is... People kind of standing around, wondering uh, in this in-between mm-hmm. life right now. I don't know how to do ministry. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to be missional because uh, I'm not showing up and being told how to do something. Right. And in many ways, um, maybe we have kind of convinced ourselves that it's not really our job to do it. It is the church's job corporately, and all we need to do is be faithful to show up and bring a friend or two every now and again. Right. And uh, that is how we are discipling people. That is how we are uh, living in the call in Matthew 28. But that doesn't really seem to be the case, right? right. I mean, if, if you read the scripture, this is an individual call on all of us. It's right. a call for the corporate church. And this call does not, uh, it, it is not put on hold or the back burner during pandemic times. Right. It's still very much a reality our lives now. So when we don't have the equipping station on Sunday, um, what, is, what does that look like for us? What does that mean for us? And um, in some sense, I, I'm not sure we're, we're going to answer that today, Right. but I think in some way, this is kind of what we're trying to get at over the course of the next few weeks of, uh, okay, we don't have our base, but we still are very much called right. to this great commission. We're called to make disciples. We're called to go. Right. So how do we begin to uh, live back into that reality in this in-between time?
3: Yeah, I think the, the hope is we're exposing a bit of the problem we're in in this in-between. And so you're right, the, the base isn't there, the challenge isn't there, the thing that maybe you hear on a given week or the energy you get from being present with other people that are also going out and doing mission isn't there. But I think underlying when we abdicate our responsibility, I think in some way we've excused um, our responsibilities as well. And what I mean by that is um, it's almost like if you show up to do, you know, the workout at the gym and you do that on, let's just use Sunday, and then the next time you're going back to the gym is the following Sunday, Yeah. just because you have a week in between doesn't mean that then the whole week I'll eat whatever I want, never stretch, exercise, yeah. do whatever. Like, we've almost become so dependent that um, we need to be told what we're supposed to do with our faith. We need to be told to read our Bible, to engage in the awareness of God, to, you know. Yeah. And I think we may have. Um, that might be a little bit of a struggle for us as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so this, uh, I mean, we don't necessarily wanna just leave with this idea that um, we have all abdicated <laughs> our responsibility. <laughs> right. Certainly, there are incredible stories of people doing gutsy uh, and um, really remarkable ministry, and yeah. continuing to disciple yeah. people and uh, figuring out ways to be on mission in this in-between world. So from your perspective, Russ, uh, as we are people on a journey, as we are, um, you you used the word pilgrims Mm -hmm. earlier, uh, right, kind of as we begin this podcast, um, how might we find our way back? Or or maybe what is a, um, what's a kind of an encouraging call so that we can pilgrim together over the course of the next four or five weeks to figure out uh, how might we live uh, more consistent with Christ's call in our life in the Great Commission in this in-between world. Yeah, I I think just reminding
3: ourselves first and foremost that we are pilgrims on a journey, that this is a pilgrimage, that faith in many ways um, is a journey from everyday life to this encounter with Yahweh. And that this pilgrimage uh, lasts a lifetime. And if we get into our mind uh, that we are on a journey, it really changes, I think, the way you look at things. So um, this last week, you know this, but um, I took three days off to go backpacking. And backpacking in many ways for me is a picture of life because whether it's your day starts and then your day ends, or whether you view it as a microcosm for like periods or epochs of time, the idea is that there are some moments in life that are rugged, that are challenging, that are exhausting, tiring. Um, And then there are moments when you get to the little, you like crest this ridge, and then all of a sudden you pause You take your pack off. You look around, and you go, "Oh my goodness! I don't know if I've ever seen a more beautiful scene in my life." Yeah. And we we want our faith sometimes to just be those vista moments that are like full of comfort, full of ease, and we forget that it's the journey uh, that often is what teaches us. It's the hard the trial, the difficulty that actually grows us. It's the um, journey with other people too that makes the experience even more powerful. Powerful. I know uh, Pope Francis uh, communicated that journeying is an art because if we're always in a hurry we get tired and don't arrive at our journey's goal. If we stop we don't go forward and we also miss the goal. Journeying is precisely the art of looking toward the horizon thinking where I want to go, but also enduring the fatigue of the journey, which is sometimes difficult. He goes on later to talk about um, that walking in community with friends, with those who love us, that help us, they help us to arrive precisely at the goal and when and where we're supposed to arrive. And I think for me that kind of captures that idea that if the commission is to go, that means we're all on the journey. And then the question is, how do we best make disciples? Best live into what our calling is. Yeah,
2: uh, I'll I'll share just a quick backpacking story because, like you said, I'm I'm not sure there's like a better uh, metaphor. Yeah. For, <laughs> The Christian life than backpacking. So, people that have not gone backpacking, I would strongly encourage you to go at some point because you really it it really is pretty profound in this way. But uh, I've shared this story before, so I'll give you like a real short version of it. I was uh, through um, through young life. I went on a a Beyond uh, Malibu trip, which is a backpacking trip with four or five high school aged guys. We had been uh, in the mountains for three or four days and a pretty significant fog set in and we were hiking and kind of in conversation and having a great time and missed our, uh, our kind of turn down uh, this, uh, this little shoot that we had to make. And so because we missed it, we're now four, five, six hundred yards past it. Now we're totally lost, totally disoriented and trying to figure out where have we gone wrong. Um, And because we can't see anything, a compass doesn't really help. A map doesn't really help. And so um, we know that uh, if you miss this little turnoff, you get to a place that just kind of becomes a sheer rock drop-off, and there's really no way out. And so what we do in that moment, or what we did in that moment, is you take your pack off, you drop it, and you do like a scouting trip, and you try to figure out, um, okay, where did we go wrong? What do we need to do? And, uh, and try to figure out where exactly you are. And eventually, you know, uh, after a couple of times of prayer and, and a little bit of nervousness of uh, are we gonna be lost and just perish up here in the mountains <laughs> of British Columbia, a little uh, kind of window in the fog opens and we can see where we're at. And so what you do at that moment is you pick up your backpack again, mm-hmm. uh, as uncomfortable as it is, as it is You put it on and you keep going you find your way again and uh and you get back onto the path you get back uh where you need to be so that you can keep moving through the mountains and uh, in a lot of ways maybe we're in a moment where some of us have taken our packs off and are a little disoriented and just trying to figure out what do i do in this world and that's okay there are moments where you should feel that and there are moments where we all feel that But you can't just leave your pack off and sit down and hope that something happens. Um, At some point, you got to pick your pack back up and uh, and figure out. Okay, I know that I'm a pilgrim. I know the way, and I got to keep moving. And I I think that's what you're getting at. That's what we're trying to get at. Is um, for those who maybe have kind of been disoriented, taking their packs off. It might be time to pick those back up and uh, and continue move forward on the journey, and uh, that is really our hope as we move forward over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, and I can just imagine your group being there, and there's probably a time where you're like, just put one foot in front of the other, just put your head down, we know where the path is, we know what our responsibility is, and it's not easy, and you can't see, and it's disorienting, but just take the next step. Take the next step. And so I think New Community is just a reminder that uh, we know what our responsibilities are. We know what we've been called to. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is our calling. That is our commission. We are pilgrims on this journey. So new community. Over the next week, we encourage you uh, dig into uh, Matthew 28, dig into yeah. Acts 1. Look at the start of the church. Let's get back to the basics and over the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about that. We're going to lament a little, and hope a little. We're going to talk about what it looks like to do some difficult inner work in our own lives and then at the same time be people that exude what you've what God's been doing in us to the world around us Um, and so these next several weeks uh, are a chance for us to lean
2: into this in between in a way that's really profound yeah you come may peace be with you this week we love you uh, and we will be back with you next week
0: new community As you go into this week, we pray number 622 over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Set your mind on this truth and be well. Amen.